Welcome to this podcast from Field Partner International. This is one of a series of interviews posted on our website and YouTube channel, where we will hear from experienced missionaries sharing stories and insights from their journeys. We are an online community and resource for Christian missionaries working across cultures. You can visit our website, fieldpartner.org, which features free video courses, blogs, podcasts, sermons, and more. Subscribe to this channel, our YouTube channel, or Facebook page to stay updated on our latest resources. Hello, I'm Christine Patterson, lifelong cross-cultural missions worker and trainer. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Alan and Jan Kilpatrick, who have until recently been serving with Iris Ministries in Mozambique and are now back permanently in the UK. Welcome, Alan and Jan. Thank you and, so much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Okay, that's great. Okay, so, well, I didn't have um, any, I didn't know about you. I didn't have any um, introduction to you until you wrote into the website. And uh, I loved your comments and your, your, the statement of where you are at in your journey right now. And I wrote back to you and we, that's how we connected. So, um, okay, well, why don't you tell us about your backgrounds? Um, first of all, how you came to faith, where you grew up, anything that comes to mind. Um, I was born and raised on the mission field in Kenya. So my parents went out in the early 60s on a boat from the UK, from England, out to Africa. And um, they lived there for 14 years. So I was there for, I was born and raised there for, and lived there till I was 10. And then I came back to the UK. So um, I come from a rich heritage um, from my parents of mission and uh, heart for the nations. So it's, I kind of think it's in my DNA. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> so that's, um, I came to faith as a little child, really, um, sitting on my dad's knee, I think when I was about five, wow. uh, praying a prayer. But then, um, you know, as some of us do in our, our teenagers, I went away, I drifted away. And when I was 21, um, the Lord really pursued me and I just came straight back into his arms. I, I never felt so loved. I never felt so valued and I never felt so cared for. And um, I remember praying the prayer, Lord, I will go anywhere and do anything, but I'm just not sure I want to go back to Africa. <laughs> 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 yeah be careful what you pray <laughs> I'm so thankful I did though so that was kind of my journey of faith and then when I was I traveled a bit I traveled quite a lot because that's my passion and then when I moved to London when I was 20 not long after my 21st birthday after having this incredible encounter with the Lord and I met Alan uh-huh. My so, first Sunday at a church in London. Life-changing encounter. It was. Yeah, wonderful. So what and how about you then? What was your background, Alan? I was brought up in the Plymouth Brethren up in Scotland. Um and my, my parents uh, ended up becoming full-time Christian workers for an organization called Gospel Literature Outreach. And uh, it was quite radical at the time. This was in the in the 70s. And uh they, they founded the Christian bookshop up there and a Christian centre. And my, my child, my 
childhood was was consisted of being taken over to Italy mainly with uh, young people and uh, would go over to Italy for a couple of months uh, with a whole thousands of thousands of leaflets that my dad had printed in Italian and we would give it out in the streets in Rome and Naples and Pesaro and Milan and Turin and Valdost and that, that's where my my childhood so so in a sense um mission was was part of who I was as well and uh, in 1980, my parents became pastors of a church in uh, in Dorset. Mm-hmm. So we all moved. So I've been in England since then. Help, tried to hold on to the accent. I'm, I'm getting You're done well. <laughs> done well. Yeah. Um, like Jan, I was I was I became a Christian partner when I was five years old. I asked Jesus. I can't remember it, um, but my mother testifies that that's what happened. And and I, I was a fairly good boy. For many years, <laughs> I, I, for my 18th birthday, I asked my grandparents for for Bible commentaries, and Jan says if she knew him, <laughs> if she knew me I then, know. she would never have married me. <laughs> wow, that's gonna be. But I've still got those Bible commentaries, um, yeah. and then uh, through uh, various connections, I ended up uh, going off the rails quite badly, and uh, and uh, and hiding it really well uh, with alcohol. And Jan and I were married, and then about 14 months after we were married, I was in rehab for alcohol addiction. And uh, it wasn't the best way to, to start a marriage um, at all, but 32 years later in our 33rd year, we're still together in love with each other, in love <laughs> with the Lord, and it's just a testament to the goodness of, of, of the Lord. And it was through that traumatic experience that uh, Jan and I started to look at you know, maybe we shouldn't go back to our normal jobs. Maybe we should look at something completely different. And we actually went to the uh, Christian Conference Centre in Aix-en-Provence called Lovie. We flew down there for an interview. And uh, we, we were so young, so gracious of the Lord not to appoint mm. us. They wanted us to go, but we were just too young. I'd been out of rehab for less than a year. But that was the catalyst for us to go to Bible college. Mm-hmm. And and we studied theology for five years, and uh, during the, the, that second year, I went uh, a call to the Anglican Church, and I got accepted as a priest, and I was ordained as a priest. Yeah. And, there are a couple of questions that come interim interim into that. One is, um, what were your other jobs before you went mm-hmm. to that route? And the second one was, you've mentioned Italian, you've mentioned going to France. Were you, were you linguist? Did you already have languages um, in your background or not? Uh, no, no, just Scottish. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we needed translators wherever we went <laughs> normally. Um, no, no, it was just the, the movement um, actually came from Australia and uh, it was based in Scotland, ended up being based in Scotland and the organisation would go to Spain and Italy and all that. And, oh, okay, got it. And uh, we were actually going to move out to Italy permanently and that was a sad day when my father said he didn't feel the Lord was calling us to move oh. out there. Mm-hmm. And for me, before I got ordained, um, I worked in the bank, National Westminster Bank, mm-hmm. um, for a while. And then I was a computer programmer for a life insurance company, so computer programming yeah. was, was my sort of thing. So no surprises there. I worked for an airline. <laughs> <laughs> for an airline. Well, as, a, a, as a rabid traveller, you mean? No surprises. Yeah, I worked in sales and marketing, and so I would travel. But, yeah, that, <laughs> that was that was till we uh, left London and then went to Bible college. Okay. So, yeah. 
Right, and had you got kids by then? No, we hadn't. We had, um, no, we hadn't been married mm -hmm. very long. Um, as I say, you know, Alan said we a, a year, two years after we got married, Alan had come through alcoholism and rehab and um, we were really searching the Lord on what our next step was. And um, having gone to France, my dad very wisely said, get some theology behind you before you go serve the nations and get some study. And so um, we applied to Bible colleges and got accepted at one in Birmingham, which was a, a Pentecostal college, mm. actually. Oh, right. Birmingham Bible Institute. Oh, yes. I've heard of it. Yeah. yeah. We went there for three years and they very graciously took us. And Because um, I'd only been at a rehab for about 10 months. Yeah. I'd only been sober for about nine of those months, you know, nine months. And so, yeah, they, were, so they were very brave. Yeah. So that was kind of our, yeah, they were our start. And um, we traveled, you know, when I was working for the airlines and we'd been really struck when we traveled, you know, just our heart to serve. And I remember one time we went to Rio for a, a week or something, as you do when you fly the, the airlines. And um, we were just so struck about, you know, the, the street children back then. Obviously, you could see them everywhere just tucking themselves in at night. And our hearts were really broken. And we, you know, we were thinking at the time, well, maybe we'll go and be missionaries. Um, but then the Lord had a different plan. And we still managed through working in the Anglican church to do missions as well. So, you know, mm. he, he works his ways however he wants. Right. So tell us that what happened then after, after college then? Uh, well, I, I mean, it is amazing how the Lord works because before I'd met Jan, I'd, been go, I'd, I'd gone up to London and gone to an Anglican church, a very lively Anglican church in Ealing. And, um, and I felt a call, you know, obviously if you're a boy who gets uh, Bible conferences at 18, <laughs> you're, you're quite a serious boy. <laughs> and and um, I, I ended up trying to get ordained when I was about 20 and uh, or maybe maybe even a bit earlier but that sort of time and um the 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 man that I saw the priest that I saw very wise he said listen you're a bit young why do you go and get some uh, experience in work read these books then maybe come back you know in a few years time mm -hmm. and so I I, I did that I, I I completely forgot about the 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 whole concept and we went to Bible college and in the second year of Bible college I, really, I said to John, I said, I feel that we maybe need to push that door again mm -hmm. and just to see um, see if the Lord's in that. And uh, we we pushed that door. And lo and behold, this is several years later, it was the same man who'd seen me several years before. Amazing. And so the Lord had really worked it well. And actually, he fast-tracked it so that I can go through the selection and, and stuff. And, and uh, that, that meant we had to go and... With three years of Pentecostal theology, so I had to go and get my theology corrected at an Anglican <laughs> theological college, and so we went to Oak Hill Theological College in North London, and that was that was so good for us because it was a place of healing for us. Bible College in Birmingham, Jan had become pregnant, and we discovered that the baby was not going to be born alive, and so we'd gone through the trauma at Bible College of of Jan delivering a stillbirth, and and. It, it, it was so gracious the Lord put us in a community in mm. London that was very healing and protective. And we lived on campus. We 
you know, I, I managed to do a degree and and Jan became pregnant again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, will never replace Chloe, but it was, you know, Jasmine was born there. and It was a, a healing season for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. through that, after a couple of years, you, you get ordained. And I, I was asked to go and lead, help lead a church in, in Ealing, West London. So I'm back it's to Ealing. Which church in Ealing? St. Paul's Ealing. Okay. Um, an organization called New Wine is based there. And so it was yeah. fun to go and be part of that and be part of New Wine yeah. uh, at the same time. And we were there for five years. Mm-hmm. And had how many children do we have? We had four, we had children. four children. Four there. children there. <laughs> we were very busy. like <laughs> Four children in five years. My goodness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. I had um, five under, seven and under, because we had twin oh, wow. That That's even more. You deserve a. <laughs> Bigger honour and medal. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, uh, poor, I mean, uh, separate pregnancies, uh, that, yeah. that many in that short of time. My goodness. Well done, you. <laughs> <laughs> Mutual admiration society. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does say in the Bible to encourage one another. <laughs> does. Okay, so, um, right, then after those, those five years at St Paul's, then where did you go? Oh, it was a really interesting time because... We love St. Paul's. It was an incredible family. Though you're in London in a very transient place, in Ealing, a lot of young families moved out of kind of the hubbub of central London. I mean, now it's probably, this was, what, how many years ago? 96. So it was more, you know, a bit more suburbs um, than, and so we had lots of young families um, in our area and we had the most incredible time there but um after five years the bishop actually said that we couldn't stay on anymore as uh, we'd been asked to be associates and he'd said no uh, we couldn't be an associate we had to move on and that was really heartbreaking because we had this incredible community that we'd invested in and had invested in us and the church had grown exponentially it was just like this really season of favor of the lord on it Mm. Um, so we were okay Lord we'll look anywhere we are open and Alan had this the verse in um, Isaiah was it a nation you'll go to a nation that doesn't know you or I can't remember I get it to hand a nation doesn't know your culture and you'll go to a nation that you do not know Uh, I I just really said Lord that's really unhelpful I mean that (laughs) means absolutely nothing and I wrote it up on my board, my whiteboard in my in my study at church and, and just held on to it. And, and to be honest, I think a little bit of pride came in for me personally because, you know, it was a, a very successful church. We'd spoken mm-hmm. at New Wine, Jan and I, we'd, I'd played at New Wine in the worship and, and uh, I thought, I'm going to get a job easy. But it just just did not work out that way. It just, it just didn't. And, and it was a very humbling season. Um, and then, then oh, out of the blue, I saw this little advert. Um, I can't even remember where I saw it. If it was in a church running a newspaper somewhere, it says associate right to look for in the United States. And I said, oh. well, let's push the door. <laughs> long, yeah, long story short, we ended up getting invited to go and uh, help lead a church in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, and we, they wanted Pete, somebody who knew new wine because they were moving in the gifts of the spirit and yeah. wanted people who kind of were on that journey. So, 
yeah, we interviewed and then flew out very quickly between, yeah. I think, the March and then we were there by the June. Yeah. Wow. So we were over there and it was exciting. It was Personally, it was exciting to be part of a very big church and to see how a big church operates mm-hmm. and works, which is very different from a, a local parish church in England, say, for example. So it was a good ex- learning experience. And one of our main jobs, my, my main jobs was to preach. And um, I, th- I think one of the things that we missed was that in the in Ealing, it was very much Jan and I working together, mm-hmm. even though I was the ordained priest. It, there wasn't any distinction, really. Uh, but going to America, uh, it was much more that I was... Person and Jan was not part of that in a sense, and so Jan, it was difficult for Jan um, over in the states, and we were there for three years. And you had the family with you, presumably, so that was yeah. Yeah. Goal, was it? no support, yeah. <laughs> no community. No, yeah, it was difficult. Oh. It was, I mean, our youngest was six months when we flew over; he's twenty yeah. now. Wow. Um, and so while it was good, I mean, made some friends, still got friends over there great fruit we ended yeah. up doing lots of work in the prison system in the in Charleston South Carolina we did alpha courses we did other courses we did uh, we did alpha courses with military prisoners in the marine uh, mm-hmm. prison and so there was a great fruitfulness there it was still also you know tough uh, particularly for Jan um, mm-hmm. and so after three years we came back to the UK and uh, into led a church in, in Brighton, in the, the centre of Brighton. Right. That was great. You know, we, we, as we travel, as we do ministry, we, we can often get concerned about things, quite rightly in a sense, you know, like our children, how are our children going to, you know, and, and Jan, through perseverance, uh, got all of our children to private schools. Uh, what One private school that was way out of our budget. God opened God. the door said we'll give you 90% bursary and and it was just amazing how you know the Lord in in the ministry that we were doing uh, provided and I think that's important to know as you go in mission that the Lord provides he he doesn't just care for you and your wife Mm. he cares for your children as well and he loves your children's got a better plan for your children than you'll ever have he loves your children more than you ever will we can't process that but it's it's truth (laughs) nonetheless and, and so we were, we were in Brighton for five years. And uh, please just, I, I can talk for ages, so if you want to just... You know, That's all right, we'll keep going. Ask him. <laughs> um, and, and, we'll get on to the missions part, the next next step at some point. Yeah. But do carry on, this is great. Um, and, and during that time, uh, I ended up um, off for nine months with severe clinical depression. Mm. Oh, wow. Uh, and was signed off, was in quite heavy medication, and uh, what brought that on? Where did, did you did you realize what it was that had triggered it? I think it was um things that hadn't perhaps been dealt with post, you know, alcoholism and I mean there obviously there was no addiction, but mm. it was you know, there's always a deeper thing going on, a deeper root. Mm. Um, and I think it was. Yeah, it was just like the Lord had brought us back to the UK in in a sense. Yeah, yeah. So we were surrounded, you know, by family and Mm. by friends and a church that was very um, incredibly understanding and gracious. And, you know, our our life was very settled in terms that we were back in our own culture. The children were doing well in school. But... um, you know, there were other things going on. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, 
I think often in life, isn't it? It's almost, you know, there's, I don't know who wrote it in a, I don't know if it's Charles Dickens, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Yeah, Tale of Two Cities. Tale of Two Cities. You know, it's like often that's the life of faith, isn't it? You can have the, there's always something and it's just like how we, yeah, we kind of navigate that with the Lord by our side. It's life's not always going to be free and easy. You know, we love it and rejoice when it is, but there are always difficulties. And we found through our journey of faith that, there's this dichotomy, this tension you hold of. There's this amazing thing, but then there's also this stress or this difficulty um, that we have to navigate. So, you so went- how, how did you navigate that one then, um, Alan? Um, doctors every week, counselling. Uh, eventually, I went on medication, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a, a a good friend of mine who'd been a previous pre-rector of the church we were at who just told me, Alan, for goodness sake, just take the stuff because I was quite resistant. And then after I accepted to take the stuff, it took quite a while to find the right medication because it's not just a matter of... Um, and then uh, it was just a process of, for me, finding the right medication, uh, being surrounded by friends who would accept me even if I never came out of the room, um, uh, who, who just gave me space who supported me, who loved me. Mm. Um, and eventually, after about nine months, I got to the stage where I could actually get up. And for me, it was small moves at the beginning. Uh, I can remember one morning, um, I, I took my Bible and I, it, I mean, this was just a huge effort. So anybody listening who's had depression will, will understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little bit, but it, I actually made it down to a coffee shop in the middle of Brighton. And which was about half a mile away. We were right in the centre, and and uh, I went down the stairs so nobody would talk to me or nobody would see me. I was opening my Bible, and um, just trying to keep myself to myself. I really didn't want anybody to to talk to me or notice me. And uh, I suddenly became aware of this presence right beside me. This, wow. and I looked up and I saw there's this person there. I had no concept of how they got there, um, and they said, "Is that the Bible you're reading?" And, and I became all defensive because <laughs> Brighton is, is quite an anti-Christian centre for various reasons. And uh, I said, yes, it is. And the person just looked at me and just said, mighty warrior, you know, God's got you. Uh, he's with you. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. And I was sort of like, oh, my goodness, me. And I, I was like, let's look and die. And the person had gone up the stairs and I chased the person and they were nowhere to be seen. And, and you know, I do believe that was a supernatural encounter of the Lord just, you know, encouraging me. Wow. And there's no reason why this mm-hmm. depressed person at that time that I was, you know, that, that person, it was just amazing, you know, of, of how, the care of the Lord. And so, so that started the journey and it was slowly getting back to work. And, and uh, we were there in Brighton for five years. Five and, and a half. Five and yeah. a half. And I'll speed it up so that because it's five and a half years and we ended up going to South Africa and leading a church in Cape Town down there which um, was incredible which was great fun we really felt after the five <coughs> and a half years Lord you know we'd gone through this difficult transition in terms of Alan being off and we were, and I remember sitting in bed one morning reading my Bible and we during our time in Brighton we'd really felt you know, to preach on, Alan felt to preach on Acts and, you know, um, 
And I remember like, you know, preaching on prophecy and healing and all the things that go with, you know, being this, being, um, a, you know, a follower of Jesus. And I remember sitting there in bed saying, Lord, there must be more than this. There must be more than this. And I'm willing to let you show me. And literally you pray. I say, you've got to be careful what prayers you pray. <laughs> and literally then st- something stirred in us. And we were at a conference that summer and there was a leaders board. It was a Christian conference and there was a leaders board in the leaders lounge. And it said St. Luke's Deep River, Cape Town. And we were at St. Luke's Church in Brighton. And we were like, oh, isn't that funny? There's a St. Luke's. And Alan, again, something resonated in his spirit. And he said, well, should we just apply? Oh. And we said, yes. And the stipulation was that it was needed to, they wanted a pastor who understood apartheid and understood the journey of transition. And we were like, well, we have no understanding of that, but they flew us out and um, we were appointed. And there was lots of like hurdles that needed to be got over because the house that we were we'd been appointed to live in was just not going to work for us with four children. Um, It was, you know, Mm. it just wasn't going to be suitable. And so I said to Alan, you know, that's going to be a big stumbling block blocks, but we'd said, look, if you still want us and there's another suitable house to be found, then we'll come. And they did. We, it was just like God again, opened the doors and said, come and, it was the most amazing experience, really. Yeah, it was good. It was it fun. Was, I mean, yeah. I, I just want to go quickly go back to say to anybody who might be listening that when I was off of depression in Brighton, um, I really felt my ministry was over. Yeah. I thought, who on earth is going to employ a depressed Scottish priest? You know, it's just not as hard. It's a hard sell. And, and <laughs> I, I really thought, there's no way, there's no way that anybody will ever, ever, ever want to employ me again. Yeah. Um, but but with God, literally nothing is impossible. Yeah, you know, He gave us this incredible job in Cape Town, South Africa, and I was very open and honest about you know I've always been open and honest about you know mental health issues or, or addiction, and um, that will not stop the purpose of God in your life. Mm-hmm. And so we, we we spent about four years in Cape Town, and and that was, it was great. The Lord did some amazing things. We started a little movement down there. It was wonderful and. Um, but the children found it difficult in school and um, our eldest had matriculated, which is the same as graduate, but, but our three youngest ones, the schooling system down there was very different from the United Kingdom and it was mm-hmm. a real struggle. And mm-hmm. we just really said, Lord, what, what should we do? And he just said, put family first. And, and for us, in a practical way, that was getting back to the UK and getting mm-hmm. our children into school in the UK. Mm-hmm. And uh, I... I I contacted one or two people that I knew and, and ended up a bishop that we'd met in Cape Town, who's Bishop of Northern Ireland, Northern Ireland, was looking for somebody a couple to come and lead a church. And so again, long story short, we ended up going to Northern Ireland. Why on earth that <laughs> happened? I have no idea because I we had no interest in ever going to Northern Ireland. Yeah. Um, but it just felt right. And and we went to Northern Ireland to lead a church, right to have a church. It was great for the children. Um, it was a challenge, um, and uh, I mean, it was an incredible challenge. Uh, we had to take a stand um, to say no to doing something uh, that became within Northern Ireland uh, very public in the newspapers. 
uh, and we were attacked and petitions and members of parliament calling and and it was it was wow. quite it's quite a tricky time and uh, but the lord was gracious he gave us peace that you know they says in the philippians the peace of god guards your heart and we felt our heart guarded and and i, I i'd offered to resign uh, you know, I said I don't want to bring dishonor to you, my, you know, the bishop, and he said, "No, I support you 100. Uh, percent Keep going." And it ended up that we ended up planting a, a new church there under the with the bishop. Um, it's not it's not a way you ever want to plant a church. Half the church came with us. Uh, I would never ever recommend planting a church that way, but it was right for that time. It was a rescue mission um, from the spiritual forces that are were working at that that place and uh, it was very obvious what had to be done and and that church which is called Hope Community Church in Craig Avon is uh, I believe is one of the fastest growing churches in Northern Ireland oh, um, yeah. and so uh, it was strange that two years after we planted the church the Lord called us to leave it yeah and, and you know sometimes the Lord asks you to do stuff it doesn't make sense Mm-hmm. It's a sensible choice, but we're not called to be sensible people. We're called to be people who respond in obedience to the call of God. And so we, we left that church. Uh, the church grew very quickly under the new leadership, which was mm-hmm. great. We were there for the right reason. And um, that's when we ended up getting involved in Iris. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to get there quickly. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that's great. It's, I mean, because it's such a, it is a journey, the whole journey is, you know, everything that the Lord prepares us for. I mean, while, he's, while we're living life, he's preparing us for the next thing. So, I mean, even what you've been talking about very much shows yeah. that. Well, in the Bible yesterday, I noticed numbers I'd written. It's, a, it's not a step of faith, it's a journey of faith. Mm-hmm. And under, I can't remember the chapter of numbers, it lists uh, all the places that the people of Israel camped in the desert and it's 41 places they moved 41 times i said to alan please that, lord i don't <laughs> want to move 41 times in that journey you know they you know every year oh that's so, so good somewhere Amazing. different and it's, it's not just one step of faith it's a journey of faith made up of lots of different steps that take you to the place where you are at the moment mm. okay so how did you hear about aris and how did the, you then get involved going there and what did you do when you got there so um Alan's mum and dad have been with in been involved with Iris since the nineties, uh, oh. early nineties, when Heidi and Rowlands were in Maputo, in the capital of Mozambique. Okay, they had connected with her. I don't know how. Maybe to come. Oh, I know. Toronto, it was Toronto mm. with the Toronto blessing when the outpouring, mm. and they were there the same time that Heidi was there, and they. I think they kind of met mm. when Heidi was met with by the Lord, or was it? When yes, think, yeah. Well, maybe just afterwards. Oh, yeah, around yeah. then. It was the yeah. early nineties, anyway. No, oh, ninety-four. Oh, ninety-four. Yeah, almost yeah. yeah. So um, they kind of were passionate about Iris. Alan's dad, when he was the pastor in Blamford down in Dorset, he used to run lots of conferences and have like. Back then, I mean, he had like Bill Johnson, who nobody had really heard of, but he flew to this little town in Blamford mm-hmm. in Dorset to come and speak at mm-hmm. it. And he had Heidi. And so kind of, he, you know, the network was there. And um, so we'd heard, we'd really learnt about Iris through Alan's parents. And obviously being a mission organisation, we were 
you know, excited about what they did. And um, when we were in South Africa, we felt the Lord call us to do a conference and we asked Heidi to come and she'd not actually been to Cape Town and done a conference. And so it was big, it was quite big and a lot of people were very excited. And so we kind of connected with her and met her there. And I then went to a conference in the UK where I met and connected with her. And so that was kind of the start of our friendship with her. And when we were in Northern Ireland, we were involved with a worship, 72-hour worship conference called Open Skies. And so we invited Heidi to come be part of that. And so we've hosted her at various things over the years. And in the last Open Skies in what year was it? 2017. We had Heidi and Will Hart, who's the CEO of our organisation of IRIS, they were both coming to Northern Ireland to speak. And I just feel it was like a God set up. You know, sometimes you're like, I don't know why this is how it is, but it is. So at that stage, we had felt the Lord call us to leave Hope Community Church. And we were like, okay, Lord. And we, did, we knew that he said he wasn't going to show us the next step until we were obedient with our first step of faith. So we knew we had to hand in our resignation. So that meant that we had no home, no finances, no direction. But we knew that really clearly, he spoke so clearly to both of us. And that's, I think, so important in our journey is that as a married couple, you're always on the same page. And I often play catch up to Alan. The Lord speaks to him and I'm like, well, he's not spoken to me yet. (laughs) And so there's a time of waiting and me pressing in and praying. And then, you know, we get to the same place. So we'd felt the Lord call us and we were like, well, this is a great opportunity. We were both in our early 50s. (laughs) And we were like, well, the world's our oyster. How often do you get that opportunity to, you know, we still had two boys with us who were living at home, but it was like, well, we could do anything, you know, virtually, Lord, we can do anything and go anywhere. And it was really our daughter the year before had gone on their mission school in Mozambique, and she had had the most incredible time transformational for her. And so, you know, she'd come back absolutely loving it. And this opportunity came. So we thought, oh, well, why don't we go do it? You know, this is a great opportunity and take the two boys because our journey of faith is always about including our children in that, you know, seeing what God does and including them wherever they are in their own journeys. Mm. It's like exposing them to what the Lord does and how he provides. And so we went with our uh, two children to Mozambique to do the harvest school, which was just meant to be for two months, really. Three months, yeah. yeah. But but there was a lovely story because we applied and we were literally, we knew within within two months we're going to have nowhere to live, no income. Uh, So I was trying to be careful with money. And okay, we've got that money if we're being know, sensible. Trying to be sensible. If we if we keep that money, then we at least have something for the following months for food. Um, and we actually applied for Harvard School, and they very kindly gave us a bursary, but it was going to be uh, still too much. So I, I responded to uh, Harvard School in Pemba and just said, thanks ever so much, but we're not going to be able to come. We'll cancel it. <laughs> and so when Heidi had come over for Open Skies, we were hosting her in the hotel, and we were with her in the hotel, and she came to us and said, I'm so excited you're coming to Harvard School in Pemba. And I said, Heidi, we're not. 
And she went, why? And I, I, I just said one of those crazy things. You don't say to Heidi. I said, Heidi, when I added it all up, it just didn't seem sensible. And she looked at me <laughs> and said, she said, so you've given up everything. Uh, you've given away everything. You've fallen off a cliff. You jumped off a cliff and now you're trying to be sensible. <laughs> and at that, point, at that point, we just said... We looked at each other and we went, we're going. So we used all the money we had in savings to buy the flights. Uh, she ended up getting us on, on leadership of staff of Harvard School, which meant beautifully we didn't have to pay for the school. Uh, we're part of the staff and... We we did we did harvest school twice. We were going to do it three, not because we we were asked to staff twice, um, and um, we were going to do it three times. But we felt a check in our spirit uh, about that, so we didn't do it the third time. And we we travelled up America, uh, as you do. We went to an Irish conference in Florida and travelled to America. Literally just saying, Lord, we don't know where we're going or what we're doing. Literally, I was driving so as well. Because <laughs> I'd been carjacked in, in, in Nelsprit and thieves had jumped me in the car and taken all my wallet and my driving license and stuff. So I couldn't drive. So Jan drove from Florida up to Toronto. Um, wow, came, that's a long way. We came back to the UK. The Lord has just been so miraculously in terms of providing houses for yes. us. So we've, we've got this house at the moment until the 8th of October. Um, and uh, it was during that time when we're saying, okay, Lord, we don't know what we're going to do. Is it still part of Iris uh, or, or is it something different? I applied for, I've applied for 20 jobs to become a vicar again and uh, got one interview and that interview was cancelled. So my success rate wasn't, isn't been great. I applied to Little and I applied to become a Tesco delivery driver and neither of them wanted me. Um, and, and it was just trying to say, okay, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? And, the opportunity came up to become directors of hospitality in Pemba. Uh, there's that hospitality centre that can sleep 100 people, and many people from different parts of the world want to come to Pemba, particularly because it's the biggest base where Heidi and Roland are. And um, so we said yes, and we went down there. And our first day, uh, our flight was delayed because of a cyclone, and we went up the day after the cyclone, and we just hit into life in Africa during a cyclone and with cholera and devastation and and uh, it was a real privilege over the next year to be there and, and be part of that and then towards we, we were aware increasingly aware that there was some Islamic extremists who were um, causing chaos and destruction you know, coming over from Tanzania into the northern part of our province and uh, it it got very serious and it still is very serious yeah. it's very serious at the moment and it got to the stage where we we couldn't keep the hospitality center open we couldn't in all yeah. conscious bring people in and and keep them safe because it was getting at one point i think they were 30 or 40 kilometers away from his insurgents and so we couldn't do that so our our we did some different things but effectively our role became redundant and we're thinking okay lord what what to do, and, and we made the decision to come back to the UK. And that was we, just as COVID, COVID started. started. Um, so. And so for the past, since March 20, yeah, 2020, we've been in Somerset, and uh, we're great. Seeking the Lord seeking for the what Lord. he has for us for the next step. Yeah. Um, mm. As how we develop Iris UK and also network with other organisations. Yeah. Um, 
you know, so. So now we oversee Irish UK, um, which sounds very grand because it doesn't really exist. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just really inquiring of the Lord of what it looks like in the UK. And we're also part of the family care team of Irish Global. And we regularly talk to different base leaders, just encourage them. And and we, we know there's more. And so we are, as I said, we have to be at our house on the 8th of October um, this year, 2021. And we don't know where we're going to live. You've been there before, right? Yeah. I know, many times. We've got a feeling we're going to have to give away all our goods again, which if we do have to do that, we do that willingly and gladly. And if we just have to sleep in one room, in somebody's house, then you might do it more willingly, gladly <laughs> than I at the moment. Apart, I'll give most things apart from my books. Um, and uh, we, we just really, truly, we don't know. We're, we're in the hands of the Lord, and uh, it, it can be difficult. And um, there's times when we're full of faith, and there's times when we're not so full of faith. And I'm always struck in the Romans 4 when it talks about you know Abraham. You, know, you literally couldn't see, you know, they were mm-hmm. old, they're almost as good as dead, I think, you know, the, the, the Bible says. And but it intrigues me, it says Ab- Abraham's faith grew. Yeah. And so I, I know that it's possible to grow your faith in, even in difficult times. And I want to learn how to grow my faith in difficult times. And I suppose the only way that we're going to learn to do that is by to embrace the difficult times that come our way and um, see how we can grow our faith and be an inspiration to to our children, particularly. Yeah, to the next generation. And our grandchildren. We've got one granddaughter, we've got another grandchild in the way, and we, we want to be a, a spiritual in, inspiration to our children Amazing. and grandchildren more than anything else. If other people get inspired, fantastic. But for us, it's about our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren that we leave a legacy that will just, mm-hmm. every single one would follow Jesus. That's fantastic. Thank you. <laughs> Well, just before we finish, then, so what would be your vision for the for this um, thing that isn't yet that is coming? What uh, to, just can you spell it out in a in a few words? What your vision and heart would be? How can we get behind you to pray for it? Um, I felt the Lord a few weeks ago. Interesting, before we even knew the house was selling, I felt the Lord say, "Don't pray for the house; pray for the next step." Mm-hmm. And um, We've been really feeling that the Lord is going to open a door into the next. Now, I know that's not, we can't put, you know, it's like a coat hanger without coats on, but um, it's like, we don't know what it looks like, but we, we feel that we're, you know, we want to raise up the next generation in missions for a heart for missions, but not just abroad, but also here. Cause now, you know, we've got thousands of, refugees coming into the UK we want to be equipped to the missions on our doorstep Mm. not just cross-culturally but also within our culture and um but also to just yeah impart and infuse enthusiasm into the next generation for the gospel to go to the ends of the world um you you know you grew up I grew up in Scotland every week here called something called the Hamilton Missionary Fellowship and it grew from a little group in a house to over 100 young people just coming each week to hear a missionary speak and worship together and pray for the countries. And that's part of our heart is to, first of all, gather the calls. Um, we, we need to encourage one another, especially as we feel the church in the UK is in transition. We need to be examples of fiery ones and gather the calls together. We want to, as Jan said, raise up awareness 
and equipping for, for mission abroad and, and home. And uh, we, we're not quite sure how technically to make that happen, but we know that's what our heart is. And we also want to partner yeah. with our organisations. That's something that we, we don't feel we want to do this alone, just mm. as an Irish. We want it in the UK, you know, with, with like Field Partners International and, and other, other organisations. We're really keen to... Well, that's the thing that resonated between us when we just had that earlier yeah. conversation, wasn't it? Just a real sense of, yeah, we're on the same page here. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. and we don't know how to do it. No, well, neither do we. But, you know. I think if the heart is there and our spirit's open to the Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll show us um, in, in time. And it's, it's going to be glorious. It's going to be beautiful. And uh, Jan's trying to be a counsellor as well. Uh, I write, I've written four little children's books and I'm writing some other books now. And so there's other little things that we're investigating as we okay. as we go on this journey together. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much. That was oh, just wonderful. A, so <laughs> a lot of food for thought. Um, <laughs> I've such a lot. We're very old. We've got a lot. <laughs> People will probably fast forward a lot of it. No, no, no. I mean, that's the point. It's it's hearing Heavy someone's edit. story and getting inspiration. And um, I mean, that, I mean, for for me, what you were saying about the life of faith, and what you were saying about the, it being a journey. I mean, right there, a lot of people would stop at one of those places in the wilderness and think, "Well, this is all there is." Yeah, which is what two of the tribes and so on. But two yeah. two of the tribes stopped short on the other side of the river. That's Jordan. right. And didn't go into the. They, they were so close to, to to entering what all God had promised. And I think I don't want people. We don't want people to do that. No. We want people just to stop short. There's a swimmer who, who uh, was swimming over in America, and this is in like 30s or 40s, and she she was swimming in fog. I need to find the story again. Swimming in fog, and she she gave up after 15 hours swimming to find out she's only you know. A few hundred feet away from the the shore, and I, I don't want people to do that in spiritual terms. We want to, uh, you know, encourage, yeah, be, 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 yeah. be people who put fresh heart mm. into other people. That we want to encourage people and say, keep on going, um, and not give up. Be for professional cheerleaders. That's what I like. Amen. Ra ra ra. Okay. Well, thanks so much. So this is the end of this interview, but um, do please go to Field Partner and like us on Facebook and find out all there is um, that would be an encouragement to you and especially pass on this interview. Okay, bye-bye. God bless. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Field Partner. You can watch or listen to more interviews by subscribing to this channel, our YouTube channel or our Facebook page. For free cross-cultural mission courses, blogs, sermons and other resources, visit our website fieldpartner.org.